Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Well, good morning. Welcome to Still Growing in Grace. Again, thanks for taking time to join me today, whether you're watching live or if you watch it later in the day or later in the week. Uh, it's so much fun to do a once a week program. Um, and in this particular topic that I'm going to uh, continue on, if you didn't hear last week's, you'll want to hear last week's for sure, because um, I know there's been some in fact, for a couple of years now, uh, a lot of hype on the word deconstruction, which either sends shivers down people's spine or uh, is a warm fuzzy in your heart because, yes, you understand. Um, but if you don't understand or if you're in the beginning or middle of uh, this journey of deconstruction, um, last week I began to address some of the myths of deconstruction, um, things that likely won't happen to you. Because I think sometimes we are more comfortable with uh, what we think we know and not ready to explore deeper and wider. When deeper and wider is the goal all along. We're all called to grow and change. And so if you haven't changed in 20 years, why not? Well, I'm comfortable where I am. I know the gospel. I know this. But Well, that that's good. But you've also probably become really stale and boring and... I don't know. I used to. I use this phrase. I used to going to church on a regular basis. Unfortunately, I was a pastor, but I didn't want to serve up regurgitated food. I didn't. I wanted something fresh all the time. I want something real and authentic. And uh, and yet there are churches that do liturgy well uh, and keep it real. I don't know how, but they do. So there's room for all that. But this this deconstructing worry. Um, I think, again, I had fears too, because I have religious people that have really been nasty and harsh and judgmental, um, calling me this, calling me that. And unfortunately that's going to happen because of misunderstandings. You can't fix everyone else's perception. So I thought I'd, I'd go through a, a list of some myths and then I want to give some wisdom because I think these this, these are going to be really good and deep. So I, I hope these will be encouraging to you. If you like today's, go back and watch part one because I don't want to recap all that because I don't have a lot of time today to get into this. So I want to I want to wrap it up. So last week, here's some of the myths I covered. Uh, the first one was um, if you're going to consider yourself deconstructing, it does not mean you're going to destroy all that you've learned. All right. The good stuff stays, and the Holy Spirit's in charge of all that. you got to remember that. You're not even in charge of your own journey. Uh, it does not mean you're going to throw out Jesus, although some people sound like they do, and I think people um, uh, crash into the other ditch uh, from really hyper-legalism and churchianity. They go into an absolutely nothing, and Jesus is with them too. So <clears throat> to control other people, is you can't do. But if you're worried about yourself, so I don't want to throw out Jesus. Well, I'm not throwing out Jesus. 
I know that people sound like it and they've really gone off the deep end and still want to play in the camp of deconstruction, but they've stopped it all. Well, guess what? That's not how it works. <laughs> um, it does not mean you'll become an atheist. I explained that last week. It does not mean you'll become a universalist. I explained that last week. It does not mean you're going to get uh, more answers right. It's not about being right or wrong. And it does not mean what you taught was all wrong. So... Uh, I think that, again, I explained that last week. It was really good. So let's get into this week's the continuation. Deconstruction does not mean you're going to throw your Bible. I'm going to do, uh, this one's a little more important. Because there is a, a, a tendency for f some people to keep dismissing and belittling or discrediting the Bible. Um, and there is a need to be more honest with it. Um, let me just see what I got here. I got a couple of slides. You are going to discover that there may be better ways to understand how certain texts were translated. This is where things get really interesting. You may discover that men added and deleted words to make it fit their theology or cultural understanding of the time. What are you suggesting, Mark? Are you suggesting the Bible is not true? Or are you suggesting it's not in, that it's not infallible or inerrant? Well, those are fancy words that need to be revisited. And I think some of those words need to be deleted. Uh, honestly, like there's, <laughs> if you're just honest about the translations for Pete's sake, um, then, then you're going to start to grow. But if you keep sticking with a religious bubble that says you can't touch and every word's equal, the whole Bible is completely, uh, equally authoritatively true. And because the Bible plainly says, if you hear someone say the Bible plainly says, run, uh, you'll also discover that the early church saw things very differently than how the West sees it today. And you were never told. This is what drove me nuts. So <laughs> I wasn't told, even in Bible college, I wasn't told that um, certain backgrounds and religious uh, families did not see uh, or have an understanding the same way we do in the Western church. Really different. In fact, I have, <coughs> I got far more respect for the Orthodox church now than I ever did. I thought they were just a knockoff of the Catholic church and Catholics were, you know, all wrong. And, and I had my list of why they were wrong. I literally had a list of why they were wrong. Oh my goodness. Like, ah, that means I was fighting to be right. Again, last week I covered some of that, but not on the Catholic stuff. So there, this is not about big, heavy swings. And I think that's um, what can happen. Uh, those that are not ready to jump into, hey, I want to explore this. What do you mean? Is it possible that some of what I was, the lens or the filter through which that I'm learning has errors? I think that's the key. The filters have error. And we're, we have much more to learn. Um, you'll discover that not all of what the Bible was written was written to you but uh it's it's written for us do you ever think of that that not everything is in the scriptures is written to you and yet sometimes we're taught and i taught and i was taught that you know the whole thing is equally true it's not it just is not any in fact anybody that goes to bible college uh has to go through some 
interpretation courses and stuff. And if, if you've forgotten half the content of that, you got to go back and revisit and realize, wow, I have forgotten this because we've been then brainwashed into uh, whatever tribe, denomination, uh, or whatever we're in, and we get to soak in that lens. Like it's, You'd be surprised at how many filters that have been placed into you. Um, you also discovered that the Bible is not a single book. It's a library. You'll discover that there have been disagreements about which books should be in the Bible and which ones shouldn't be. This should not stir up fear, but rather hope. What if there are ancient writings that um, may not be in our Western evangelical Bible, um, but are in, let's say, the Catholic Bible? They've got extra books. We call them the Apocrypha. Wait, what about the Greek Orthodox Bible? It's, I believe it has even more books. Wait, what about these other writings? So I find it funny that people say you can't add to the Bible and blah, blah, blah. But, but when was it written? Who ordered the order of the books? Um, these are worth questioning and finding out. The history of your Bible is really important to know. And if you really don't know... Um, don't just take one source, by the way, because there are some people touting that this book was written by this person and no, it was not written by that person or it was written in that period of time and, and, and such. Uh, honestly, that be careful that you don't just find one that's new to you. Go, oh, that's amazing. I didn't know that. There are multiple perspectives on it and it's worth looking and seeing and really pondering which which one, in your spirit, which one makes more sense to you? Um, just because somebody throws a meme up doesn't make it true. But if it makes you think, it makes you want to go explore, then I'm all for that. I think it's great. Just be careful you don't hang on just one person's opinion. Um, next thing that comes up a lot, especially among Christians, uh, I, I don't want to become a new ager because I hear all this new age language. Well, you don't need to worry about that because you misunderstand that. Instead, you will discover an enlightenment, the action of enlightening or the state of being enlightened, which is understanding, insight, educated, learning, knowledge, awareness, information. Look, these are the things that's going to happen to you when you dig deeper and explore you're going to find out that the terminology you misjudged as new age is actually more ancient you're going to, you're going to discover that some of this phraseology even quantum stuff you're going to say wait a minute that quantum stuff sounds so new age wait but it's just a reframing it's another language to explain it's another way to see another science to explore meaning you don't need to be afraid of it. Uh, fear is a major issue here. <laughs> so deconstruction does also not mean you'll become progressive. Now the word progressive, it can become positive and negative. It all depends on your context, where you are, and how you perceive that word. But we're always progressively growing and learning. Oh my goodness, what, what makes you think? <laughs> well, like I said earlier, if you haven't changed in 20 years, seriously? Instead, you will discover that what may sound new to you is actually more ancient and historically accurate than the new teachings of the last few hundred years. The early church fathers are not uh, from 400 years ago, but instead they go way back to the first few centuries after Jesus. 
listen, <laughs> you'd be shocked at people who will say, well, the forefathers, our forefathers, and they go back to 1600. Um, I'm sorry. This has been around 2,000 years. So to choose the last 400 years, and now even more in our culture, it's all about subjectivity and right now. It's the narrow uh, zoom dot view. So if you have like a, uh, 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 what do you call those pens? Uh, the ones that have a little light on laser pen. Um, you might be seeing your theology with a laser pen and only seeing on one spot and not seeing the whole. It's bigger. There's a much more beautiful tapestry of theology that we must explore. And you're going to find some off, some good. You're going to be stretched and pulled, but you're going to grow. And I think, and personally, I think you're going to have far more patience and love for others that are walking from a different lens. That's the beauty of what I think, uh, if you're going to call it deconstruction. I hate the word now. I don't like it much, but it's still a word that people identify with. But I think you're going to become more understanding. There are some in the deconstruction camp, if I can use that phrase for now, that have become harsh and really bitter. I'm going to address that a little later in my wisdom uh, rant. Uh, I think you'll like that part. Oh, here it is. <laughs> So let's, let's get into the wisdom. If you're looking for some help or encouragement, first of all, that you've not gone off the deep end, or, hey, uh, I'm not, what do I do here? Uh, or I feel very alone. Let's get these next points out. Uh, I, gotta, I gotta go quick, because I got, I think, 13 points here. So let's dig into this. This is good. Number one, grow in a safe place with trusted people who allow for every wrong question and response. This is really important. Don't join or start your deconstruction group uh, in a religious circle of people and just because you're trying to sound more right or point out they're wrong. Eee! I wonder if that's one of my points later. I forget what my list is because this has been a while since I've gone through this one. Ha! Don't process your growth on social media or you will bleed on those who didn't cut you. This is really important, and I see this happen all the time. Uh, I've done it. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> uh, when I see somebody post something about atonement or God turned his back on Jesus and the cross, I would chime in, no, they didn't. God, blah, 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 blah. And I, I'm, I'm trying to show that, that uh, uh, well, I'm trying to be right <laughs> and point out what I think is really wrong. But Why? Um, so careful, don't process it. Don't put all your stuff out and here's where I am today. Hey guys, what do you think of this? Social media is not the right place to do it. And if you have a private group that you're processing things in, that's good. There's a group I'm a part of that, um, is quite a safe group that you can ask questions and, you know, if somebody gets all hot and angry and, swearing they get booted there's no room for that it's got to be a safe place where you can be honest um, and unfortunately there are not many places number three careful as you process publicly us versus them or i used to be with that church or group but now i'm so much wiser immature language that reveals immaturity that's what this is i didn't realize i was doing this until a very loving person pointed out and but then the holy spirit took that and really started to show me we do us versus them more than we realize so be careful as you process publicly um 
because as Paul Young says, those are my people. And that's where he came from. I talked about this at my church on Sunday in my message. It's worth listening to that one too. Um, but yeah, this is just, a, again, wisdom. Number four, don't declare any new revelations, new to you that is, until you have processed, oops, spelt, I forgot about that, until you've processed them and wrestled with them. This is important. This is really important because often when we get a new revelation, we're, we've been trained by the religious community to always have, um, be one up on everyone else. So as soon as we learn something new, boom, we start posting about it, boom, 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 boom. And we, we sound like we actually know what we're talking about when really we haven't wrestled with the deep theology, the deep foundations. Um, I think it's really important. I've, I've, I've known people who have deeply studied this for probably two, three years um, before they really discussed it with a core group of trusted people first. Um, and to me, that is super wise. So anyway, just wisdom. Uh, number five, shock statements tend to be very unhelpful. Usually a call for extra attention. Once you start, you will need to become more and more shocking until you are unbelievable or not trusted. So be careful with um, the really bold National Enquirer statements to get people's attention. And I know people do this with uh, blog posts and such. It drives me nuts. It's like, ugh, I know you're trying to get people's attention and you're trying to gain a platform, but it's really unhelpful. Uh, I, I personally hate it. Maybe it's my culture. I don't know. But uh, I, I used to use more shock statements uh, when I was in the journey of unlearning my uh, uh, legalism and discovering grace so to speak if i can use that phrase or my phase of growth and i'm still learning in that but i would use really strong statements just to either tick off religious people or make them thinking oh maybe they'll ask me what do you mean by that and then then i get to explain go ha 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 see i was right and it's like i i can't uh it's embarrassing but maybe that's my personality type too, and maybe I'm, I'm speaking to those who have more of a, um, a personality type like myself who uh, your teaching style could be one way. But I'm please, please, please try to reduce the shock statements um, or the, the clickbait um, uh, kind of stuff because um, it, it, it hurts people because they're – you're, you're almost creating a fear that is unnecessary and Jesus doesn't sell fear. Sorry, just doesn't. So next one, um, do your responses to others blow up bridges or do you keep access open? Are you a bridge builder or destroyer? Um, again, this is where your the gentleness of the Holy spirit comes through in the journey of deconstruction. I, the natural response is to become angry at everyone else that taught you wrong things. But that's just your reaction to how deeply you've been duped or didn't know. And it's internal. Again, that's the internal processing and how we, how we respond, respond is really important. And I think we need to be kind. I need to, I think we need to be loving. Deconstruction is not supposed to be some scary thing. It's supposed to, it's a, it's, 
well, like I've said before, it's just discipleship for Pete's sake. It's, it's not some big fancy camp or new theology thing. It's growing. Sorry. It just is like, it's like from childhood to teen to whatever you discover. Oh, the Bible said that that's not what I was told. Wait. And then you come to another age and go, Oh, I'm revisiting this. I never saw that before. That's what learning is. And I think it's, I, it doesn't need to be overhyped. Or for the religious world, they're they're attacking you, thinking deconstructions from hell, and everybody's going to lose their faith. And they have, that's why I gave my list of myths because that that's the list that many um, Christian groups are using to say, "Don't you follow deconstruction? Deconstruction is evil." Well, there are people that need to because they've been so burned and hurt by the church that the church as a system has sought to control people through the rules and regulations and you name it like it the system of religion i'm still unlearning and i'm thankful for that but jesus i'm discovering is bigger and better it's making me love jesus more and love others more and better to me that's that that sounds like i'm on a good track i don't know that's that's my mind number seven the thing that is being deconstructed dismantled or replaced is something that was never true to begin with and you shouldn't be afraid of losing your foundations this is important everything should be up for questioning every topic you name it i don't care if you were taught in bible college or sunday school or whatever um, every topic needs to be challenged. Everything is up for questioning. You see, we've been groomed in the system of religion to not question because then you're being disrespectful to authority. Well, I'm sorry. Um, I guess I was a bit of a rebel or misunderstood kid, but I questioned everything. And, and then I got slapped enough times I didn't question anymore because I was shoved answers down my throat that I was never allowed to question. And it wasn't until I became a teenager uh, in the later years. Um, uh, honestly, I, uh, the place I got to start to question things was at a camp. The summer camp I worked at for a number of years. Really, I actually have fond memories of it. And I don't remember anything. I would never see that camp as a place that taught me bad stuff. I, I saw it as a place of freedom. And I learned some core values that were really good that I still talk about today. I found a grace lens on them. It's beautiful. But the things that need to be unlearned need to be unlearned. And that's just basic growing in Christ. So... I'll, I'll pick one for a second because this, one, this one's fun and if this is a problem for you, that's okay. Um, but I've had to unlearn end times and the topic of hell. Uh, I'm not going to get into it today, but um, the idea of end times and what's going on, uh, I questioned all the time. I had it on a back burner. And then a couple of years later, I came across a book that uh, triggered uh, a sense of hope. I said, wait. And then I didn't understand that any further. And I put on the back shelf so it's been on the back burner for a long time even the topic of hell that which started in youth group by the way questioning wait a minute what is this but the pentecostal church i was part of man they taught the hell big time and yet they talked about the love of god and there was a real contrast between the two and i really had a hard time so those two things were put on the back 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 burner but it wasn't until i think 2013 end times um woke up in me and i had to explore and question and i found some pretty cool 
more hope-filled perspectives. And the first time I taught on it, I was scared. So in 2013, I taught a series on a more hope-filled perspective on end times. It's on my YouTube channel. Honestly, it still brings me hope. Is it completely right? I think it's more hope-filled than what I used to believe in, and was taught. So to me, I'm, I'm all for let's find better and more hope-filled because hope inspires and hope leads to Christ. It really does. And then the topic of hell, you know, um, I need to unlearn that. First of all, the word H-E-L-L is nowhere in our Bible. It's in English translations, but in the original languages, there are different words translated into the English word hell that shouldn't have been there. So that should cause a lot more questions right away. Um, what is hell? Is there a hell? What does hell look like? Like it's not a cookie cutter answer. There's more to explore on that topic than we want to admit. But if your theology is hung on this eternal conscious torment and scare the hell out of people, um, you've got some learning to do. You've got to go back and rethink because the early church fathers, the Orthodox Church, the Jewish tradition, the Hebrew faith, they don't see it like that at all. Oh, but we're right because we're in the West. Anyway, I'm just saying some of these things that need to be deconstructed uh, were never true in the first place. So, again, removing the fear of that. Number eight, fear can cause us to stop learning. So don't worry, you won't deconstruct Jesus. The Trinity won't let you. They are big enough to get your attention and keep you. This is really important. Uh, honestly, I believe Jesus to be the one who holds us together, holds all things together, holds you together, is the inspirer for your journey, is the outcome of your journey. So I don't think, if, that, if your worry is you're going to lose Jesus in this, I don't believe it's possible. I just don't. You might lose a false concept of Jesus and then be left flailing, but you're never going to lose agape who indwells us, who holds you together. I, I, that's my opinion. Number nine, while it may seem like a scary, slippery slope, be assured there is a better hope-filled perspective out there that you may not be aware of yet. It will likely be more ancient than you know there is hope. There is a, a slippery slope is a church word to say, hey, do what we tell you or you're going to go to hell because you're no longer under our authority. Like it's, it's, ah! uh, I'd rather go into a slippery slope into the love of God. I, I really do. I think this is, uh, anyway, there are phrases that religious people use to scare and control and shame people. Don't let shame stop your growth here. Uh, I, I think there are better perspectives. I think the menu is bigger than we were told. And if you're in, if you're only in one kind of a de denomination, um, then yeah, you're going to get one lens. Um, those who've been to multiple denominations or are more world cultured, they have a different lens. In fact, I find it more mature and more open. And that doesn't throw Jesus out. It's just the more open and maybe even a little more loving. I don't know. You don't judge as much. There's something to learn here. This is big. Maturing process is not, number 10, the maturing process is not something you do or search for. It finds you. This is what I have found to be true. This is personal. Um, I think all of the learning and unlearning that has come my way has come to me. God's dragged me to it. Um, and then I found others who've also 
uh, are on the same or similar path. And boy, it's sure encouraging to know that I'm not alone. Because if I was, then I probably wouldn't continue on learning. But I'm discovering I'm, I am not alone. And uh, my little laser pointer beliefs have now turned into a spotlight um, and hopefully a floodlight. <laughs> There's much more, much, much more to learn. Uh, anyway, be encouraged by that. Um, point people to Jesus to grow, not you. Ouch! You are not trying to build a platform or fill your ego. You are pointing everyone to learn from Jesus. This is critical. All right? Like, it's really tempting. If you, you want to start a Bible study or you want to start a, a uh, vlog or podcast, um, things like that. Those are good. But be careful that the ego doesn't jump in and people come to you for answers and you become the key person. Uh, there are some great teachers out there that are, I think, quite humble and really good leaders. So, great. But you can probably smell those who are about their platform and supporting them only. That's tough. But just be careful. Jesus is the source of all this. Yep. Um, there appears to be no arrival. But there is an incredible journey. Uh, it can be painful, unsettling, stress-inducing, and liberating all at the same time. That is the journey, especially when you discover a greater, more hope-filled perspective on things. Like, it, it's very, very exciting. <laughs> uh, I think we have much to learn. There isn't uh, an arrival there I have deconstructed. I've heard people say, oh, I've deconstructed a long time ago. As soon as you say that, I know it's not true because... Then you have a very, uh, okay, then it has to do with your definition of deconstruction, which I covered last week. Um, there is no arrival. Just like, oh, I'm now a mature Christian. No, you're not. <laughs> We're becoming. We're still learning. We're still growing. It, it, <laughs> it's quite incredible. Anyway, I love it. Uh, last one. Deconstruction will look like this. Someone will point out another perspective that you were not aware of. Uh, here's an example. Forget the Daniel fast. I think it's time for the Isaiah fast. So sometimes we um, switch from one ditch to the other. But this, this one's really interesting. Um, here's, let me just read this for you. It is not to share your food. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Forget the Daniel fast. I think it's time for the Isaiah fast. Is it not this kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke and to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? This is what Isaiah talks about. See, the Daniel fast is about not eating and the traditional fasting stuff. <laughs> but here... Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer you. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. This, this, is, this is the journey. Uh, honestly, I... <laughs> I I resonate with those who call themselves I'm um, deconstructing. I resonate with those who say, nope, I'm not. I, I'm, I, I, I'll, 
uh, still love Jesus and I'm, um, but they're, they honestly do. And they're good people the, to have to label yourself can be half the problem. So for those that are, uh, wondering about this deconstruction or if you're in it and you're, or you're unlearning now, or it seems like so overwhelming because now all these topics are being thrown at you. It's like, wait, I can't handle all of this. Oh, breathe deep. Let Jesus be your guide. If Jesus pauses you on your journey, pause. If you, if you don't want to do that journey, then don't. <laughs> really, don't let anybody pressure you from either camp, from anything. Like, seriously, let Jesus be your guide. I believe the love of Christ will compel us, guide us, and lead us into all truth. Oh, wait, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is going to lead us into Christ. It's got to be Christocentric. In, in that, that's what I've come to see. So if whatever you're growing in is making you a more loving person, great. If what you're growing in is helping you discover a bigger and more exciting God that his love is far more far reaching than what you've been told. Good. But if you can put your learning into a box and that's it. And then I, I, I say, Holy spirit, show me, be my guide. Where do I need to grow or unlearn? And I think that is what this journey is all about. Find some safe people to grow with, to mentor you or co-mentor someone to bounce someone off. I've got a couple of pastor friends. I just, I get together and in our denominations, we don't talk about this per se, but between us, we, we banter on these different topics and we don't always agree, but we trust because this isn't about us versus them. We, it's a safe conversation. And that's what you need. You don't need a religious person who's trying to convert your theology. That's not going to be a good conversation. You need trusted people. You have an established relationship. Then go into these topics. So I hope those wisdom points um, help. Um, but these, this is always big on my heart. And I'm, you know, maybe every year or two I'll come back to this. But as I'm going through this wisdom, there's a lot here to learn. So anyway. We're still growing in grace, which is the name of the program, because none of us have arrived. That, that's why I started this program. I think it was three years ago, almost four years ago. <laughs> and it's, it's been fun. So I'm looking forward to having more guests on. I, I have a fun one that I uh, recorded with Richard and Bill Murray. Um, sorry, uh, Bill Murray. <laughs> Richard Murray and Bill Thrasher. <laughs> that's funny. Anyway, um, yeah, anyway, we'll leave it at that. I got to run. You guys have a really, really great day, and uh, I look forward to seeing you guys next week, and we'll see what happens then. Until then, thank you. Hopefully this conversation was encouraging to you. We'll see you. Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit HopeFellowshipYCC.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.